Hey, Mosaic. What's up? Uh, I'm Brian. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're in the middle of our Christmas series. So this is Christmas, and it's all about the letdown of Christmas. So I thought since I don't get to share as much as often with you guys, I want to share my letdown of Christmas story with you guys. So the year was 1991. I was nine years old, and it was the year of the Super Nintendo. Anybody with me? Super Nintendo? It's coming up on the screen, I think. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. There it is. Super Nintendo. If you don't remember, that's what it looks like. Uh, and so this was all the rage that year, right? So I, this was like the only thing I asked for for Christmas <laughs> was a Super Nintendo. This is what I want. Whatever. Uh, and so my dad, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my dad. He won't like this, but I'm a pastor's kid. So every Sunday I had to go through him telling stories about me in his sermons. So this is just a little payback for all those years. Uh, my dad was not probably still isn't, very good at hiding presents. (laughs) And we weren't the kind of kids that, like, went looking for them even. We were, like, we were okay with waiting until Christmas and, like, the surprise of that. But we would inevitably, we'd open up a closet or a cabinet door or something, and there would be this thing, and it's like, well, that's probably what I'm getting for Christmas. And so, you know, you'd close it and just, oh, this? How did you know? Whatever. Uh, So this particular Christmas, 1991, he asked me to go get something for him out of the garage. And I was looking in the garage, like you do, and I moved this blanket. And oh my gosh, there's a Super Nintendo in here. And so I covered it back up and I, like, you know, I got the screwdriver or whatever it was I was looking for. And I just keep it cool. Like, like I don't know that there's a Super Nintendo coming at some point or whatever. Just play it cool. Uh, And so Christmas came. And I opened my presents, and there wasn't a Super Nintendo. But it's all right, because in my family, there was this tradition that after you opened up the presents, there was this one that was hidden, and it was like the big gift, the one you were, like, waiting for. And once you opened up everything else, and you're like, oh, well, you know, it was like, oh, we got to go find the hidden gift, and then that was the big thing, you know. So I went, and we found it, and I found the, you know, the box, and it's the right size, it's the right shape, and I open it, and it was a race car set. So that was the big letdown Christmas for me. No Super Nintendo. And, and you're like, what do you do? I'm like, uh, is there another hidden gift somewhere? <laughs> Did you forget? This is the one? Okay. And so I don't, know, I don't know if someone else got a Super Nintendo that year for my dad, but I definitely did not get a Super Nintendo for my dad. <laughs> but I did. I took back all my gifts that year. I don't know. I convinced them to let me do that. And I bought a Super Nintendo on my own. So I still got it. Don't worry. Got a Super Nintendo. I was not a deprived child. Um, So that was my biggest letdown Christmas. But my best Christmas happened three years ago when we had our first son, or our first child, uh, right right at Christmas time. So we actually just celebrated his birthday yesterday. He turned three years old yesterday. And so that was just a really exciting Christmas for us because... Christmas was always this big thing with my family, and I loved Christmas time, and so to be able to do those experiences with my own kids is just really fun for me. So, so that was really cool, but, but the whole childbirth experience is, like, super weird, right? I mean, anybody with me? Like, it's just weird. It's just a weird experience, you know? And, like, you, when you're, like, the first time, you're, like, you have no idea what to expect, and, like, it's a big deal, and you have nine months so you're like, we got to hurry and get ready because in nine months we're going to have a kid. And, but what do we do? I don't know. We just get ready. We got to get the room ready and we got to put the car seat in the car. And, you know, you get all that stuff done like super far ahead, especially the first kid. You'd like tend to freak out extra with the first one. 
because you don't know what to expect, so you're just like, you're on it. you got everything planned out and lined up, and everything's good to go. Uh, so for us, oh, and then you start buying things, right? So you buy, you're like, I don't, we need all this stuff, and you don't need all this stuff. But well, the thing for us was the PPTPs. Can I get PPTPs? We were like, how will we ever prevent our child from peeing all over our house without these PPTPs? There's nothing else that could do what this thing does. It's a PPTP. You don't really need them. A washcloth works just fine. Uh, <clears throat> but, so so we, we do all this stuff. So we actually, we made a list, part of our organi- planning, getting ready. We made a list of people we were going to text to tell them that we were going to the hospital. Anybody else do this? An actual physical list of people. We're going to text these people, tell them we're going to the hospital. And then a more inclusive list of people that we were going to text or somehow let know that we had the baby, right? Uh, but then there was this really elite list of people that we invited to come out and actually partake in the event with us, right? To experience it with us, to witness it with us. And that elite list was reserved for who? Anybody? Anybody? Family. Like, and not just family, but you're right. Like the closest of the close of our family, our brothers, our sisters, our mothers, our fathers, those people we invited to come and experience this thing with us. This was not just anyone. This were the closest people in our lives. And so today we're going to take a look at one of my favorite parts of the Christmas narrative, and that is the announcement of the birth of the Son of God. Uh, we got it up on the screen for you here. This is coming out of Luke. Luke was a historian, so he took extra attention to detail and created this wonderful history of Jesus' life. Uh, that we can find in the Bible. And this is how it goes. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So out of all the people that God could have chosen to announce the birth of his son, he, he picks these shepherds. And I would imagine with as much as we planned out the birth of our kid and all the lists and everything else, that God had a specific plan in mind for this announcement. And so the question is, like, so then why are they afraid? Why are they afraid? If these are the people that God chose to announce this to, why are they afraid? I think to answer that, we've got to look a little bit at what it meant to be a shepherd. So, a shepherd was this extremely low position in society, this extremely just outcast kind of uh, thing in this culture. If a father had to give it to one of his kids, it would have been to the youngest of his sons, but it would most likely be going to like a slave or something. Uh, there was no advancement. There was no benefits. This was not the kind of job you wanted to do in life. <laughs> uh, religious, the religious system also rejected them. Religious leaders taught that they were not good enough for God and could not be right, made right with God. Uh, the shepherds could not live up to the religious rituals of the day, and so shepherds were afraid of where they stood with God. So there, I think there's three, thing, three ways that these shepherds are feeling in this moment. The first is this. I think they felt unworthy. They were outcasts, not good enough. 
they were nomads and wanderers. That was just what their profession led them to. So it would be like a, like a trucker or something where it's like you can't help it. Your job just takes you out on the road. And because of this, they couldn't keep up with the religious ceremonies, and so they were declared ceremonially unclean. I have a friend who just started working for the railroad, and he's gone a lot for his job. And we were talking the other day, and he said, oh, it's been months since I've been to church. And it's not because he doesn't want to be at church. It's because his profession just pulls him away. He just can't do it. And so there's this feeling of unworthiness before God when you can't perform those rituals that, that your society says is a part of experiencing that. They hung out with sheep, so they did not smell good, most likely, I would imagine. Uh, they were physically dirty. The religious said that they were spiritually unclean, and religious leaders could not even touch them, or else it would make them unclean as well. They felt unworthy. They also felt inadequate. They were uneducated. They never quite measured up, never good enough. Spiritually, they couldn't observe the Sabbath because of their job. Their job, the sheep, still need to be cared for on the Sabbath. And so since that is true, they had to work on the Sabbath. And because they had to work on the Sabbath, they could not observe the Sabbath, which was this work-free day. And so they couldn't partake in these things. So they felt this, like this constantly, like they were spiritually failing. And then third, they felt unloved. Uh, they were known as thieves. And so whether or not they were didn't matter because they were all known as thieves. They were not to be trusted. In fact, they couldn't even witness in court, because they were just, the whole entire group of them are on the do not trust this people list. Uh, and if they wanted to get married or something, who, what father would let their daughter marry a shepherd? They can't be trusted, and their profession is worthless. There is nothing of value. I would not want my daughter to marry one of these people. And so I'm sure a shepherd in this moment is feeling like, if they don't love me, and if I don't love me, then how could God love me? But what made them truly afraid was the presence of God. And so in this verse, it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of God shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And this word, glory of the Lord, there's a word for it. It's called a Shekinah. Bill had to tell me how to say that word because I couldn't find it on the internet, how to pronounce it. Shekinah is how you say that word. Uh, and it is the visible sign of God's invisible presence. And they would have known about this thing. This is something that they would have known in this culture, the presence of God, the glory of God, the Shekinah. They would have heard about it, and they would have known this is not good for someone like me. They were afraid because they knew who they were, and they knew who God was. And they knew that the presence of God was not good for someone like them, because they were not good enough. The presence of God, you see, it exposes us. We like the darkness. The light exposes things about us that we don't like to have be exposed. As human beings, we live in fear, and as soon as we get out of the darkness and into the light, we become afraid. And, and this has been the case going all the way back to Adam and Eve, right? So we, we look at Adam and Eve, and like they're in this perfect place, and they have this perfect existence with God. They can be in a relationship with God in this way that is totally free and full. They can experience God at his fullest, and they liked it. In fact, they loved it. They loved the presence of God. But then they did something. They decided to be their own masters one day. And, and all of a sudden, everything changed. And that day, when the glory of God showed up, they were afraid. They felt naked. They felt vulnerable. They felt exposed. And so they made clothes out of fig leaves, and they hid. And humanity has been hiding ever since. And it's because of this we are ruled by fear. 
I think that's actually a blank on your sheet there. We are ruled by fear. And, and really, anything but God makes us feel safe. Anything but God. <laughs> we will cling to anything because that's what brings us security. So, so like money, for instance. Uh, this is a big one for me. I, I struggle with being generous, if I'm honest. My flesh struggles with being generous because it's out, it, it makes me feel out of control. And, and, and money is what makes me feel safe, like, like I'm in control of my life. Uh, or maybe for you, it's your job. Uh, you know, like for me, I love working at Mosaic. It's like my dream job. But at the same time, there's this fear inside of me that's like, man, if this went away, like what would I do? I'd be lost. I'd, I, I, you know, what would my family, how would I provide for my family, you know? There's this safety that comes with what I do. Uh, or maybe it's family, uh, your spouse or your kids or whatever it is, your parents, whatever it is, your family. It's where you go to for that feeling of security, of safety, of comfort. That's where we go to. Or, or maybe it's friends. Maybe your family isn't any good, so it's friends that you turn to for that security, that safety, that comfort. And, and so we wrap ourselves up in these fig leaves of money and job and family and friends, and we hide so that we aren't exposed for what we really are. And, and putting this together this week, I have to admit, I, I was really struggling. <laughs> I was really struggling with this one. And, and I think it's because God needed to, like, work with me on this a little bit before I could have anything to say about it. And so, you know, a lot of this, like... There was a sermon by Tim Keller that a lot of this comes from, and it was really messing with me. So, so this is what I kind of discovered about myself. So more specifically than these things, I have a fear of rejection. Uh, there's, this, there's this term called imposter, imposter syndrome, and it's basically this idea that anything good you've ever done in your life, any accomplishment you ever had in your life is not really because you did it, but you, in fact, are a fake and every, if anybody ever figured that out, they would expose you for what you really are as a fake, and then you would lose everything. And I have to admit, like, I struggle with that. I really do. Like, I struggle with, like, accepting the fact that someone could know me fully and still accept me. I, this is one of the things I struggle with with my wife. <laughs> I struggle with there being a person in my life who could know me at the core and still accept me knowing who I am fully. And so that leads to this fear of failure. So a fear of failure, like, like I'm getting behind or I'm not good enough, I'm not keeping up, I'm not going to cut it. I, I feel like this pressure, like I'm going to fail. And then that leads to this fear of the future. I have to control my life. I have to plan things out. I have to do whatever I can to make sure that I don't lose control over things because I, I, I don't feel like anybody would really love me and I feel like a failure, like I'm going to fail any minute now. And so it creates this, this, this control, this need to control my life. But really these things are symptomatic of a larger issue. There's a root issue that's really going on. And I think it's a root issue that we can all identify with. And I, the root is this, that, that all of our fear really boils, boils down to a fear of God. We all have a fear of God, uh, and, and ultimately we don't trust God. So if you think about it, like, like we all, you know, kind of more universal is this fear of death. Uh, we, we fear death because there's this idea that I'm not good enough, or I have not made right, the right decisions with my life. And so we have this picture of like dying and sitting before the judge, and God's going to just nail us with all these things and then reject us ultimately. 
There's this fear associated with death. Or, or maybe it's the fear of the cost. What is it going to cost me if I really give up everything for, for God and, and, and choose to follow him with my life? It's going gonna, it's gonna to do something. I'm going to have to give something up. And maybe it's my sex life or my, my money or, or my weekend or whatever it is. And, and then God is going to replace that life with a boring life. I'm going to miss out on the things that are good because God is going to replace it with this boring life. And, and when we fear, we want to control and so we grab onto those things as tight as we can, which creates more fear and more anxiety, and then we want to control more, and so we tighten our grip as hard as we can, and it creates this cycle of fear and control, fear and control. But God's presence is not something that we need to fear. It is good news of great joy. You got it? God's presence is not something we need to fear. It is good news of great joy. Uh, this, this, is, this is what the angels, they see that the shepherds are, are afraid, and this is what they say in response to that. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Fear not, for behold, there's something coming. There's something that rests on the end of this statement that is coming. The good news of great joy, and this good news that they use here, it's the word gospel. So when we talk about the gospel in the New Testament, it is good news. So this is the first proclamation of that good news of great joy here. And so here it comes. Don't miss it. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And, and so this is it. This is what it hinges on. This is how our fears can be relieved through this event that is taking place. And, and I want to break it down for you a little bit so you can understand what's really going on here. So the first word we get to is Savior. And if we can cut out the where and the when, we're left with, for unto you is born a Savior. He is born a Savior. This is something that he is. This is not something that he does. Born a Savior. He was a Savior he is a savior. This is not hinge on something that he is going to do that qualifies in that. He is already a savior. The second word we get to is Christ. And no, Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's not Christ, comma, Jesus of Nazareth. Whatever the zip code is, I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> this is a title. And this would be the Greek version of the word in Hebrew that is Messiah. And this was a word that was dedicated to one person who would be the person who delivered God's people. And so when they say this word, they would have heard it as like kind of like the matrix. Neo was the one that the prophecies have talked about. They would have known, oh, this is the one that the prophecies have talked They would have literally, they might have even literally thought that at that moment. The one that we've been waiting for, the Savior we have been waiting for, specific. And then the last one, the Lord. Uh, when we hear the word Lord, at least for me, I, I associate it with like Lord of my life or like Jesus is the king of my life. And, and so therefore, like I do what he says, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and it definitely it has implications of that for sure. But what they would have heard in this statement is that not only is this person a Savior, who is a specific, the one kind of Savior, the Messiah, but he is in fact God himself. Emmanuel, God with us. This is God, born now. And they might not have realized that that's what, totally what they were saying, but that's what they're implying by this statement. So here we have, he is a Savior, he is the one, the Messiah, and he is God himself. Through this one person, 
everything would forever be changed. And all of the people in the world who God could have announced this, this thing to and invited to share in this experience, God wanted these shepherds to know that they had a place of honor in his presence. And the same is true for you. The same is true for us, that God wants us to not be controlled by fear, and most of all, to not fear him. So, so if we think back, you know, what, what is it? What is it that you don't trust God in? What is it that you're not trusting God in? Maybe it's something on that list from before. Maybe, maybe you're not trusting God with your money. Maybe money is tight, or, or worse, maybe it's not. Maybe money's not tight. <laughs> uh, but you have this need to control it, to hold on tight to it for your safety, for your security. Maybe it's your job. Uh, maybe you just lost your job, and it's hard for you to see in this moment how God could be good in the midst of these circumstances. Maybe your job isn't going how you thought it would or how it, you thought it should, and you feel stuck, and it's hard for you to see how God is good in the midst of that. Maybe it's your family. Uh, you know, maybe you don't trust God with your kids. And so you try to control their circumstances, control what they're exposed to, ex- control what their opportunities are. Uh, and you don't trust that God has a plan for them, that God loves them and wants to care for them as well. And so you just hold on to them as hard as you can. Or maybe it's your lack of kids that you're not trusting God with. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe you don't trust God with your spouse. Maybe you try to control that person and turn them into who you think they should be or even worse, what you think God thinks they should be instead of trusting God with that person, with that relationship. Trust that he is working on that person. Maybe you're more like me and you have a fear of rejection and and you just don't trust that God would really love you if he really knew you. And, and, and what's even scarier is the thought that he does really know you. <laughs> and that's the most scary thing. Maybe it's your fear of failure. Maybe you think God thinks you're a failure. Maybe you think God, you wonder why God even created you. You think, he must be thinking, man, I made a mistake on that one. What, what, what was I thinking when I made that person? Or maybe it's your fear of the future and you try to control because you just don't trust God. The presence of God is not something we need to fear. In fact, Jesus, so Jesus came along and he actually, he says that I, or when, when you see me, you see the Father. And so really it's like he is the new Shekinah. The Shekinah, the, 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 the visible sign of God's invisible presence. It's like Jesus is this new thing. So when we, when we see Jesus, we see the Father. When we look, when we want to know what God is like, we can look at what Jesus is like. His presence is what the presence of God is like. And to be in a relationship with him is what it means to be in a relationship with God. And this is good news of great joy for all the people, right? This is the good news. This is the meaning of Christmas, that this thing has happened, and it is something that is good news of great joy for us. So I want you to do two things today. I have a little room on your card. You don't have to use it, but I want you to identify what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? What do you not trust God with? 
identify that. Maybe it's something I said, maybe, but maybe it's your own thing. What is it that you struggle to let go of? Because in, really deep down, you just don't trust God with that thing. Identify it. Identify the thing. Hold on to that. And then I want you to take another look at the person of Jesus. Learn Jesus. Read about Jesus. Ask someone about Jesus. You can even talk to Jesus yourself, if you like. <laughs> Learn Jesus and discover the good news of great joy that is life with him. I'm going to have the band come up, maybe. I don't talk as long as Aaron, so this is a little bit rough, the first service. I'm going to have the band come back up, uh, and, and this is what I want to do for you. I, I, I grew up, when I was a kid, I, I was terrified of roller coasters, uh, and so... <clears throat> And I mean it, I was a little kid. This wasn't like last year or something. I, I was terrified of roller coasters. And, but like they look awesome, right? You look at a roller coaster and you're like, oh, that looks so cool. I want to ride that. And I'd get in the line for like an hour, you know, and it's like you're watching and you're watching the people scream and, you know, like they're, you know, whatever. You have to like wait forever. And then by the time I would get up to getting on the roller coaster, I would, I would just chicken out. And I'd just be like, I can't do it, I can't do it. And I'd leave. So, for years, I was, like, paralyzed by the fear of roller coasters. Until one day, I just decided, I just got to do it. I just got to do it. I just got to get on the roller coaster. Once I'm in there, I'm strapped in. There's nothing I can do about it. So, I just did it. I got on there, and I realized roller coasters are actually really cool. They're really fun. Life with roller coasters is good, right? That is a good life. Uh, and, and, and all of a sudden, my fear was taken away, and I was able to experience the full life that is life with roller coasters, right? Uh, and so sometimes it just takes that, like, that push, that step, like just jumping into your fears. And so this morning, if you are struggling with this fear of God thing, I want to give you a step you can take today. So we're, I've asked some people to, to be available to pray. So they're going to come along the sides over here and over here. If you're one of those people, go ahead and get into that spot. Uh, and so they're just here to pray. And so this is just, literally, this is just like a step experience God. Let go of those fears and step into the life that he has for you, this life that is a good life of joy. So we're going to go ahead, we're going to stand up, and we're going to sing this last song. You don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> we're going to sing a song, uh, but while this song is singing, if, if you are struggling with this idea of fearing God for some reason, I just encourage you, take a step Go and find someone. Ask for someone to pray for you uh, and, and begin to let go of those fears and let God in.